0: Hello, and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Backstreet Future. I sort of teased in last week's episode with Abron and Yash, which was an incredible episode. I want to thank them both for coming on last week. I sort of teased that I, I wanted to talk this week about the comparisons between Apple and OpenAI. And specifically, I don't mean modern-day Apple. I mean Steve Jobs-era Apple between the years maybe 2006 to 2011. Um... So for the youngins in the audience who have only heard of Steve Jobs and understand, maybe have heard of the the legend or the myth around him, um, I was actually, you know, I lived through that, right? That era of Steve Jobs, 2006 to 2011. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm a super OG. Like, obviously, I know people older than me who lived through, you know, 80s Steve Jobs <laughs> or, like, you know, uh, 90s era Bill Gates, right? Like, so, like, there's level to this stuff, but I definitely you know, vividly remember that era of Apple between t- 2006 and 2011 where Steve Jobs, I would say was the prime peak of his career. Um, and for those who don't know, like Steve Jobs sort of, he returned to Apple and he sort of created the path for the whole tech industry. Like it, it almost was like the, all of the tech industry was in this rut of Microsoft and PCs Retail kind of stores were out the out the door. Dell was like a multi-billion dollar company. For, for the young people in the audience who don't even know what Dell is, Dell used to be this company where you could order a PC online and they would sort of custom build it for you. Like you could choose your parts, they would build it and send it over. This was even before the era where people would build their own computers like they do now. <laughs> and so Dell was worth billions of dollars and people would praise Dell because... Um, You know, why would you ever need a retail store when a computer can just be made custom and shipped directly to your door? And, anyways, like the tech industry was sort of in this, I would say, like this corporate industrial march you know, version 1 to version 1.2, let's sell it, make some money. Version 1.2 to 1.4, let's make some money. If you went out and bought software, the box, and sorry, so back then people would actually buy physical CDs to buy software. Like you would go to Best Buy and buy a CD. I'm, I'm really dating myself, but Like, that's how you would get software, right? Or a floppy disk or something. And if you looked at the box it came with, all it would have would be features like this feature, this feature, this feature, all of them half baked. Some of them don't even work. Some of them under promise, over deliver. Like, it was like, some of them were, sorry, over promise, under deliver. And there was like, it was not like the sleek looking packaging we see now, right? And so retail stores were out the door, packaging didn't matter honestly even design didn't matter like how your pc looked it was not a priority and it was just this corporate afterthought of of the actual design of of the of the product and I'm sure you know some of you don't know. A lot of a lot of the people in the audience do remember. Everybody was using Blackberries, right? And Blackberry was the king. They would release a new Blackberry phone every four months, and it was just slightly different, slightly better than the last one. But basically, it was the same phone that they had originally came up with, and they had just basically been reselling the same goop down the pipeline for many years on end. And Blackberry was like a billion-dollar company. Like, you know, more relevant, meaningful, and cool than Apple. Anybody cool had like a BlackBerry. All the, you know, all the rappers were using their BlackBerry. And of course, the big thing back then was you also had BBM, which was like this whole international network. Like, it was unbelievable. You could be anywhere in the world. And through BBM, you could send a text message through your BlackBerry. And, you know, somebody else could read it in Canada. Um, And so anyways, this was all like pre-Steve Jobs era and I say the industry was in a rut because nobody knew what was next, and to be honest, nobody was interested in what's next because they were all printing money. Um, <clears throat> and Steve Jobs returned to Apple. He made industrial design important a priority at the company again. He focused Apple towards just a few set of products, and, and you know, like I remember the the IMAX that he came up with were like revolutionary concepts. Some of them had really beautiful colors. Other ones had flexibility. Uh, he pushed the boundaries, you know, computers used to be really bulky, he made them really sm- like much much thinner, much smaller, he, he focused on the actual hardware and industrial design discipline, as well as the software discipline, you know, he went against the grain in so many ways, he made retail stores cool again, nowadays an Apple store is a given, Steve Jobs had to fight for the idea for Apple to have a store, he made the packaging a lot more simplified, and he, he almost invented this whole idea of an unboxing experience, There's whole YouTube channels like Unbox Therapy nowadays dedicated to this idea of unpacking um, software. I'm sorry, unpacking like hardware products. You know, he he would have people, you know, just like focus on this is the new product. What's the unboxing experience going to be like? What's the most delightful way to unpack this product that the user would love? Right. And, you know, he led through many generations of technologies. So I was, I remember buying my iPod Nano. And so if you don't know, again, I'm dating myself. This was a music player, um, which, which, you know, the Steve Jobs era, they had a few of them. They had iPod Classic, iPod Nano, uh, like I think there was like an iPod Mini. And then they, you know, eventually came up with the iPod Shuffle. And I remember when I got it, how different and refreshing it was in every single way. And I, had think, I think I had been through two or three MP3 players before that point but the iPod was in a category of its own. The software was superior. The screen was incredible. I, I remember it was like an LED screen or something. Um, it held more music than anything else. And I just remember the design and the whole experience. It almost felt space age. Like it felt like it was from another parallel universe that is more advanced than ours. And somehow it dropped onto my lap. And, of course, it came with iTunes, which was a much better software than what people were using back in the day. That's how you would transfer your music onto your uh, iPod, is through iTunes. And, you know, they also made it so that people like me who are using Windows could still download iTunes and upload songs. So Steve Jobs not only came, dropped, changed the whole music game forever... He basically invented iTunes, giving the music industry a chance to make some money. Otherwise, they would have all gone broke if things kept going the way they were going with file sharing and and torrents and that kind of stuff. And then he even, you know, eventually introduced the iPhone and the iPad. And I remember the day the iPhone was announced And just the idea that you could browse the web in such a usable way from your phone. He pushed hard against these ideas of, you know, back then everybody used to use a stylus in order to use a phone. He said, nope, you should just be able to use your fingers, which was such a revolutionary thing to say that ended up being the reality. He said, no keyboards. I want just a screen. That was also completely against the grain of phones up to that point. Everybody just wanted to be like Blackberry, Blackberry's whole business was based around this patent they have for their keyboard design. Um, and uh, he, you know, like the iPhone basically invented the modern phone, right? What we're used to today, the way you might be listening to this podcast, this format was the one that, uh, you know, Steve Jobs era Apple conceptualized and came up with. And that's, it's the norm now, but back then, you know, they were the ones who, who created that norm. And I remember after the iPhone came out, there was like a good year or two before any other company came even close, even just to the touchscreen. Like Apple was so far ahead in terms of their innovation and focus. And anyways, the iPad was a huge leap. Um, And then I think towards the end of Steve Jobs' career, I think he got caught up in the cloud. And to be honest, like iCloud is still not that good as it could be. But he did sort of also continue it wasn't like apple released the iphone and that's it you know he also set it up so apple would continue to improve the iphone every year and to this day they continue to do so right um but jumping back to today like i i feel like before openai the tech industry was very much in a rut like i i'm so sick of the phone industry i tweeted this week like i was like every phone is the same what is the point of them making a phone? It's only slightly different than last year. They have the same specs. You know, the screen is a little bit bigger. It's a little bit more thin. Like, you know, the software can now, you know, it organizes your notifications better. And it's just it's just a money grab at this point, right? Like they know the phone, easy business to run. You make money. Uh, you can get people with all these add-ons. So none of them are including the, uh, you know, it's for these add-ons. So like extra storage, cloud-based storage um none of them are even including the power adapter anymore so that's an easy 80 80 to 100 dollars to get just basically for no reason um and I think startups were cool, like 2011, post Steve jobs to, to now. Like I think that was where the tech interest was, like Dropbox, Uber, Airbnb. That was the cool thing happening in tech. But for a lot of these, for the majority of the tech industry, I think it's just been business as usual. Adobe has not been up to much for the last 10 years. The biggest thing they did was switch from... Uh, Software to a monthly subscription, which is not, you know, technology innovation. This is just like uh, an easy way to make more money. And Wall Street loves these SaaS monthly recurring revenue based businesses. So it's like a financial form of engineering. It's not proper technology and engineering, right? Adobe has not been up to much. Intel has not been up to much. NVIDIA, I'd say it's been up to a lot. (laughs) But still for them, it's business as usual, right? Like I love the RTX 3080. I have one. But I I mean, I expect that of them, right? It's not like they went into something completely new, um, completely different. They invented a new category altogether. It's business as usual. Intel, same deal. Facebook, other than acquisitions, they haven't been up to much either. Who else? Let me me take some shots, Microsoft. All of Microsoft's business is dependent on one assumption is that the business world still needs Outlook and the business world still needs Excel, which means they'll need Windows. And as long as those assumption that one core assumption is there, Microsoft will continue to be a trillion dollar company. But to be honest, I don't quite know what they're up to. I'm optimistic with their CEO. They've really turned things around. They are coming up with new things. But still, no company has taken up the mantle of like this Steve Jobs level um You know, literally setting the path forward for the future—that is—that makes it so obvious what needed to be done. Um, I mean, I mean, there's there's Elon, but I I almost don't even want to include Elon and, and SpaceX and Tesla because that guy is so formidable and such a unique force of nature that i almost don't even think it's fair i almost think it's insulting him by putting him in the same category as the rest of the tech industry <laughs> right like i think he's he's just in a category of his own it's not even worth it and to be honest i don't think i don't think apple or microsoft or google or any of these companies are comfortable with even being compared to elon because they know where they stand right google as well i you know what like so what they release android so what every year it's a little bit better i don't care google search has gotten worse right uh, Google is an ad-based company. YouTube is an amazing product. But again, it's been business as usual for YouTube for like the past 10 years. These people run like the most chill businesses. <laughs> and they just, they have at that point, no incentive to innovate and bring something new. Um, and so anyways, look, I apologize. This was not supposed to be complaint about tech and lack of innovation hour. But I think <coughs> when I saw GPT-3, it wasn't just, a, you know, a mind-blowing API and product, uh, what I saw was, you know, this is the the new thing that the tech industry has been waiting for for a long time. We have been in a rut for like 10 years and this thing is truly game-changing. And I think it's It's obvious that this is the next revolution. Um, and I, you know, my, <clears throat> my defining characteristic of every new revolution is it's completely different from the last revolution. <laughs> and so, like... Um, you know, going from the last decade, I would say most of the innovation happened around this idea that you have a mobile phone and everyone in the world will have access to this mobile phone, which they can use to get social networking, basic services, look stuff up. they'll have access to YouTube. Um, GPT-3 and this AI stuff is, is, is completely unlike mobile phones. And they're almost apples and oranges, like I almost shouldn't be comparing them, but it is such a unique kind of thing. And the capabilities that GPT-3 is capable of out of the box um, is literally things that we couldn't even have dreamt about six months before GPT-3 came out, right? Like the fact that it can do all these things. And to be honest, to this day, we still don't know all the things it can do, right? Uh, It can write press releases. It can write marketing copy. It can write poetry. uh, You know, shout out, I I believe his name was Mark Ryan. Uh, let Let me double check that. But, you know, he, he dropped a video showing that, like, um, GPT-3 can even give directions to the New York s- subway system with a 60% accuracy, <laughs> right? GPT-3 has obviously never been in a subway. It's probably even never even seen the map because it's not even trained on images. Um, and, like, uh, you know, Mark discovered it and he made a whole video on it. I encourage you to check it out. Um, that it can... it. Bes- Besides the fact it has no physical form, it's only read about the New York City subway system. Somehow, it can still give you directions on the New York system subway system with a sixty percent accuracy, and it's just something it picked up along the way, right? Um, let me confirm that one second. So, GPT three subway. Yes, the video is called GPT three navigates the New York subway by Mark Ryan. Shout out to shout out to Mark. And like, I'm just like. These are the things we couldn't have dreamt about. And I think anytime there's such a big delta between what we think is possible and what actually is, is is the kernel of the tech industry. And so where I think OpenAI is a lot like Apple is basically what they've got is so compelling that I think the first characteristic that makes it like Apple is basically, they are setting the bar and the direction of what's to come, right? for the next 10 years or so. So you saw GPT-3, we can conceptualize what GPT-4 will be like, right? OpenAI has talked about it to some extent. Last week, we saw Codex. That We're going to be busy with Codex for the next 10 years, right? There might be another version, even the version we have now, there's going to be so many implications for everything. And we're, you know, we're going to see DALI at some point as well. And that is going to be a defining thing for the next 10 years. And so OpenAI is setting the direction of what's to come in a very clear way, For at least the next 10 years, maybe that's the horizon I imagine was characteristic of Steve Jobs era Apple. And then the other way that OpenAI is like Steve Jobs era Apple is they are building the things that the whole industry will revolve around, right? In the same way Apple went from one version of the iPhone to the next, everybody had to change their apps to work with the next version, everybody had to work with Apple to get their apps in the app store, people made a bunch of money, Facebook had to completely change their direction, you know, Zuck was on record saying we are now a mobile first company. You know, so they the their entire company, even though it was worth billions of dollars and successful at that point, had to pivot to be mobile first. I think we'll see similar things where very big companies will start to be like, you know, we need to be transformer-based first. We need to be GPT-3 based first. We need to be DALI-based first. And so the characteristics altogether I'm describing so far are Number one, GPT-3, in my view, is a revolution because it's so different from the last revolution. The next thing doesn't look at all like the last thing. <laughs> so I think that's the easiest characteristic I look for. The second thing, the reason it's like Steve Jobs or Apple is they're setting a clear direction for the next 10 years. And the third reason I'm saying they're like Apple uh, is because the everybody, else, everybody else's game changes based upon the way these guys are changing the game. And this will be the North Star. This will be the center Of the entire industry you'll see Google search is going to be you know changing in all these different ways I think they announced something similar I can't remember Uh, because of something like GPT-3 it has the huge potential to change Google search as we know it YouTube search will change Uh, Adobe is gonna have to change Amazon their e-commerce based search that will need to be driven by something like GPT-3 something which is far more descriptive and more accurate the, you know, the customer support functions for all these different companies are going to change. I even think the nature of social networking will change. I can imagine some kind of keyboard or something that integrates to your phone that lets GPT-3 do the talking for you, that lets DALI generate images for you, and there's just some cool social media function, some delta, some utility out of that that is, you know, really exciting uh, for, you know, people to just have a new way to to connect, share, and interact with each other. Um and uh, I just want to say one other thing. The reason I think also OpenAI is a lot like Apple, Steve Jobs era Apple. Um, and this is this is maybe not like a full characteristic, but I think it's a huge sign is just the excitement about everything they do. Every every product, like yo, like if I'll be honest, like if uh, if last week for Codex. Um, they told me there's like a physical line, and you have to wait in line just to see the conference and be at the conference and hear them talk about codecs. I would be in line, and I don't think I'd be the only one. I think there'd be my there might be like a hundred, couple hundred super hyper nerds who are into this stuff as much as me. And the only other thing we've seen people get in line for for like the last ten years, besides you know the scarcity. Um, was you know Tesla, Tesla. There's you know Model Three and Cybertruck. There were lineups for people who just wanted to be at the event, and so there's not only excitement, but even the conference I watched last week, I felt really excited watching Greg and Ilia talk about OpenAI codecs. Um, I'll be honest, they don't have the charisma that uh, Steve Jobs had, but I think they have a great product, and they are likable guys. I think they're likable people. Uh, you know for what they do which is you know artificial intelligence this is really high technology kind of stuff uh, I would expect them to to not be as you know as charismatic as Steve Jobs because what for what they're doing it requires them to to be mostly serious and mostly the way they are I think they're the right people for the job but anyways the 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 demo and the the conference and the excitement on Twitch it did remind me a lot about you know like Steve Jobs kind of, uh, conferences and let's let's keep it real here. OpenAI has had some iconic moments, right? So the DALI avocado chair that was announced—you know—they had that featured that briefly at the uh, on the in the research paper they released. That's become like a meme now. And on one hand, it's a meme. On the other hand, I think it's iconic, right? In the same way. So on the original iPhone event, Steve Jobs called like a Starbucks and he pretended to order like a thousand different uh, Starbucks drinks, right? I think the dally chair is iconic. I think in the codex uh, last week, the, the demo they did and the boulder was falling on that on that character. I also think it's iconic. They basically made a video game using AI um, on the spot, <laughs> right? That's never been done before in the history of tech demos. And so in a nutshell, I think those are my reasons why I'd say um, OpenAI is the modern day Steve Jobs era Apple. Uh, altogether, uh, I, I, think I said they, um, I think, I, I think I said in a nutshell, it's like, there's just a lot of excitement. Their conferences remind me of it. They're setting the next 10 years to come and they're, uh, setting the direction of the next 10 years and everybody else's game is going to be changing based on the things that they're doing. And I think there was the fifth thing that I said that I can't remember, <laughs> but You get the idea. And by the way, like I'm aware of what I'm saying, right? Like it's not every day you go up to some tech company and say, wow, you guys are like the Steve Jobs of, of the modern times. I think that's as high as a compliment can get in the tech industry, but I just think the team and everybody at OpenAI has been putting out research. They've been executing as a company. They've been delivering products. Think about it. DALI was announced earlier this year, right? Like a couple of months ago, basically. And they've already announced Codex, Right. Most tech companies are not innovating at the level OpenAI is innovating, We're in the same year, they announced these two kinds of groundbreaking products, right? And this is in addition to the research papers and all the other stuff they have going behind the scenes. And so um, this is as good as compliments can get. And to be honest, I'm just excited to live through it. I think everything OpenAI does is so refreshing for me as somebody who's into innovation, into futurism, into, you know, idealism, this concept of building a utopia I love the energy and the innovation that's coming out of OpenAI. I don't feel that from any other company in the world. I'm talking about Google. I'm talking about, you know, Facebook. I'm talking about Apple. I'm even talking about little companies. Reddit, I don't get the same amount of innovation coming out of Reddit as I do OpenAI. I don't feel that energy. Uh, Adobe, not a chance, right? Who else? Intel, not a chance. (laughs) I'm taking all the shots today. Um, But... Anyways, and it's really exciting, and you know, I, I also even just want to say, like, you know, support OpenAI. You know, I'm I'm happy to pay for GPT three every month. I'm happy to promote whatever they got going on. I talk about it, I make videos about it, and uh, I think if, if somebody's doing an incredible job, and you know, they they have the good they have good intentions, they're really pushing the world forward. I think your role as there's nothing wrong with just supporting somebody, right? And they're a company; they're not an individual person. But I'm happy to support the people at the organization so they continue to do what they're doing. And I, I also think, too, I'm always happy to give people props. I think we don't give people enough credit. Uh, even when people do great things, we don't acknowledge it at all. We don't show them any love. But even though Opening Eye is a company, they get huge props from me for everything they've they've accomplished up to this far and everything they will continue to accomplish. And I love the excitement. I feed off the excitement. And uh, I think they are raising the bar for the entire industry. The things that are coming out of OpenAI, uh, I think is is a huge, huge achievement that is inspiring for everyone. Anyways, so that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Multimodal by Baxi Future is available everywhere. Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you, know, you should be able to find it. You know about my newsletter, bakztfuture.substack.com. Uh, I've written, you know, I think, maybe two articles at this point about you know gpt3 and startups as well as you know the comparisons between open ai and uh like you know just like steve jobs kind of stuff and design i think i had a piece about that last like two weeks ago um and you also know about my youtube channel youtube.com slash hit me up on twitter at b-a-k-z-t future there's lots of ways you can connect with me uh, and, uh, I guess I'll see you in the, ne- in the next, in the next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.